Hi, it's me. Welcome back to Not So Whimsical. I'm here with Maya today. Maya, say hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm going to do a little bit more sound checking, but how do you feel? Very comfortable. So, <laughs> Mariette, it's me. Uh, I know Miko from Activism. Mariette is part of the dirty activist group we were talking about with Katie last week. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's me. I'm the dirty activist. She's the dirtiest. She never showers, as a matter of fact. Well, it's, yeah. Okay, hitting close from home. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I'm French. You could say that's a cliche, or I don't know. <laughs> Why are you coming at me like that, Nicole? We just started. <laughs> I study cognitive science at Univin. We study the mind. So we have philosophy of mind, neuroscience, psychology, linguistic, anthropology on paper, but not really, and AI, artificial intelligence. It sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. But so if you do all of these disciplines, are there some that you specialize in more? So yeah, that's the thing. It feels a little bit like touching a little bit from every discipline, but not really diving into it and not really mastering anything in the end. But it's more about having a different framework. It's more about like every discipline has a different perspective and methods and way of dealing with this topic. And we're trying to merge them and converge them. So you have a more holistic view, not so dogmatic in a way. Like you take a phenomenon and you try to look at this phenomenon from multiple perspectives. So you really can have like a better Understanding, like if you would look at, I don't know, mental illness, you would not just look at it from a psychological point of view. You look at it with um, philosophy, phenomenology, everything. So you really have a deeper understanding. It sounds super interesting. It is. So you're in your master's right now, right? Mm -hmm. And what did you do in your bachelor's? Did you already touch on this? or? Yeah, I did biology uh, with a specialization in neuroscience. And then I did one year of neuroscience master in Marseille. And then I switched to more... Uh, a more philosophical approach to neuroscience or cognitive science. With any background, you can start and it's really chill. And it's Really? So, yeah, 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 you can. Like, You don't even have to graduate. You can just take courses and be touched by the grace of this beautiful topic. Come join me. I study uh, theater, theater, film, and media. And I have a degree in business, like a bachelor's. And I've been thinking of adding psychology. But I really like this holistic approach, actually. I think mm -hmm. it's way more interesting than just going from, mm -hmm. I studied psychology, which is not in any way to diminish the field of psychology at all. But I just think that I would want to dive deeper into mm -hmm. it. So that sounds really cool. And your roommate does the same thing? Yeah. For more AI programming, computer science approach, it's also much more technical, I would say. Yeah. And, and so the master's is in English. It's in English, yeah. And as you say, you can specialize. I mean, you come with your background and what you want to do and you can navigate it and specialize in what you want in a phenomenon or a method. And yeah, <laughs> I'm just doing free advertisement and I'm applying for a job for them. So they should totally hire me. I will send this podcast to them. Like, look what great job I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. Before we started officially recording, you were telling me about Jim Jarmusch. Would you like to tell me more about him and why are you so obsessed with him? Um, <laughs> well, first of all, look at him. Yeah, he does look cute. So you really don't, don't know? No. Okay. Should um, I know him as a film person? Um, I mean, okay, you have to start with coffee and cigarettes. It's beautiful. It was shot over 20 years. It's a whole piece in itself, but you can have just little extracts. And it's really beautiful mise-en-scene, which I, I don't know what mise-en-scene is exactly. Like I tried to define it before with my roommate, but I don't know. Like it's everything and nothing. I think mise-en-scene could easily be placed in cinematography. 
because it's it's the imagery. It's I'm guessing also like the production behind actor it. directing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just mise en scène. Yeah, I think it's just a word that is a bit empty, but you use it because it conveys something about the movie, but you don't know what exactly. Yeah, it's like me saying I'm a film buff and I know every movie on the planet. Like, sure I do. Just don't ask me about Jim Jarmusch. But you studied media and theater. Like, you should know what means. I just started. Right now, what I'm learning about a lot is the term performance. I have heard Americans and just like people saying, oh, great mise-en-scene. So that's very likely that they just use that. But yeah, okay. I would describe it as cinematography because it's just everything in this case where it's film and not theater, how it's being shot, how the props are being used, um, the acting, like the maybe imagery. That's not, maybe that's not mise-en-scene meant to say, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong that I have to stop using words. I don't know what they mean. That is a very French thing I learned today from you. That's uh, not my theory, but I kind of agree. I think French people talk a lot about things they don't know about. And I see me as well. I love movies, but I don't really know how to talk about them. What's your favorite movie? I have a pre-made answer because I cannot reply. So I just, uh, Les Demoiselles de Rochefort and Coffee and Cigarettes because... Those are the movies I watch when I'm oh, sad. Coffee and Cigarettes. Is that that film by Jim Jarmusch? Yeah, you know it. You heard <laughs> yeah, of it? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so I said those two because they always bring me a lot of joy. Um, what is the other one about? Les Demoiselles de Rochefort? It's um, a musical by Jacques Demy from the 60s. Okay. So, okay, so... This okay, like a lot of people dismiss this movie, and this is very important to me that people should stick their head out of their ass and not dismiss this movie as a stupid musical that is just like so naive and so stupidly positive and not. It's a movie about life, and it's very serious and it's very beautiful. And yes, people are singing and dancing, and yes, everyone falls in love and everyone is happy. But it's an incredible movie, and everyone should take it seriously. And I didn't like the eyes you did when I said it's a musical, Nicole. No. It's a Nouvelle Vague musical, which I think is a new wave musical. What does that even mean? Like, I just know it's new wave, but I have no idea what it means. I don't know. I don't know. It's just new wave. Like, I'm French. I talk about things I don't know. <laughs> so this is a movie by Jacques Demy, and you have Godard and Truffaut, I guess, are the most famous, and with Eric Romer, the most famous Nouvelle Vague director. I don't know exactly what they did. Um, Everyone, please Google new wave and tell us about it. Yes, please, someone explain to me because I love New Wave, but I, I just don't know what's special <laughs> about it. But it's great. And this is a musical with Catherine Deneuve about people in the city that are looking for their other half and they don't find it and they sing and they're sad and they're free and it's in the 60s and everyone's beautiful with beautiful costumes. And Jacques Demy is the, was the husband of uh, Agnès Varda. And that's just people, everyone. It's online on YouTube. There's also a... Uh, English version with the music in English, so no excuses. It's great. <laughs> it's my period movie. Nice. Oh, I think everyone should have a period movie. Mm -hmm. I really like animated movies. Mm -hmm. I keep dreaming of wanting to watch Hotel Transylvania. Oh, Every okay. time I'm on my period, I want to watch it, but then I'm like, no, I'm an adult. I need to be taken seriously by the world. I'm oh, a serious no. I know. Watch it. It's your period day. Like, I know. You I think it's interesting to see like what you saw in your childhood and how that kind of translates to you as an adult. What did you watch when you were younger? My mom had complete control over what I watched. She has good taste. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm just a mini replica of my mom. Really? Yes. I watched everything. Like I started with Buster Keaton. You see, 
Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah, I love silent comedy because <laughs> it just makes me so emotional that it's still being watched and appreciated. And that it's universal, as you were saying. Yeah. What did I watch again? Like, it was a movie, black and white. I don't know if it was silent. And it was not even comedy. It was just very sad and, and really groundbreaking cinematography and i was thinking it's crazy that 100 years later i'm still amazed like this dude invented everything and still visionary 100 years after like i don't want to say all movies were better it's not that it's just that the fact that it still touches me so long after this makes it so visionary yeah <laughs> like when you watch like the first king kong like the silent movie it was all there like every hollywood blockbuster They invented everything 100 years ago and nothing changed. They set the codes yeah. for Hollywood movies and people kept it. Like the first romantic comedy, like romantic comedy in 2020, same codes. Like, I don't know exactly what to say. I don't know where this conversation is leading. I just find it so crazy. You told me before that you'd be interested in making film, like in, in just creating film. Would you find it sad that the codes are all here already and there's nothing we can reinvent from there? No, I like the codes. Yeah, I like that they are in everyone's mind and you can play with them or just make them appear and people recognize immediately. I think it's nice to break with the code sometimes or play with them, but even playing within the codes are also nice because everyone or like, I don't know, Western societies gets it immediately and it's just this entire collective imaginary as well and you can work on that. I, I like the codes. So you don't think it's restrictive? I think you can also go beyond them. Yeah. If you're creative enough, I don't know if I would be, but I mean, you have to have some code at some point just to be maybe able to step on them and yeah. go higher. Like, uh, So I don't do art, so I don't know if the codes are restrictive or not. I don't know. What mm. do you think? But it just never feels like something new in a certain way. Yeah. And But maybe that's just, maybe we're not there yet. Maybe people are there and mm -hmm. it's just not pretty to look at. Or maybe it is and we just don't see the beautiful. You know what I mean? You think that? That it just never feels new? I feel like right now what I'm seeing in film and in television is just autobiographies all day or a day. Or based on a true story. Or just... <laughs> so noisy. It's just like everything has become a performance. I could literally make a video right now of myself eating and call it art. Okay, but Andy Warhol did it long ago and it exactly. is a performance. Exactly. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like Andy Warhol did it. He took photos of like cans and then like made the colors a bit like crazy. And everyone was like, I want a t-shirt with a hat. <laughs> Do you know this, this girl who tried to kill him? Mm -hmm. What's the name? There was an episode in American Horror Story where oh, really? they replayed that and she actually killed him. What I'm also seeing on the other hand is people trying to remove themselves from these codes and these restrictions, but then they don't go hard enough, in my opinion. Mm. Like you need to go harder if you want to change something and make it groundbreaking. Like, do you have an example? That play that I'm writing right now. I just have this idea of, of you know, when we look at plays, I don't know. I don't look at plays right now because we're mm -hmm. in quarantine and I don't like watching videos of plays. I think you need to be there. Oh my God, can someone turn off the pretentiousness? But um, when you see artists trying to create something a little different, trying to like get out of the very traditional form of theater, mm -hmm. it's usually nudity or oh. it's like screaming, a lot of screaming. And what I was thinking, for example, is that towards the end, there's this explosive catharsis. Mm -hmm. I'd really like to see how far I can go with it. Mm -hmm. Without it just being exaggerated, I found your suggestion, suggestion super interesting that in plays and in movies, you never see people mumbling or stuttering. They always have their words because it's obviously a script you're going mm -hmm. 
by. And when you do stutter, it's like they forgot their line and whatnot. But I think it would be a beautiful addition to have someone like be like, Mm-hmm. Sorry, I mean, yeah. and like that would be interesting to see how we convey that this is not yeah. a mistake. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Well, it's also like in movies, you never have someone not understanding what the other says. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't hear so well. Like, sometimes you will say something and be like, ah, oh, what? And in the movies, you never see that. And I think if the, um, the other actor or actress says, oh, what? What did you say when you mumbled? Then maybe it will convey that yeah. this was on purpose. I really like subtleties, for example. In mm-hmm. theater, it's very, very difficult to convey small movements because you're so focused on, you know, the stage and on the many people. Mm-hmm. Whereas in film, it's always very specific. Like you zoom in on someone's hand while they're doing something or in horror, for example, as well, like you film the back of the scene so that you know someone's coming, mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And that would be interesting, I think. Yeah. So you prefer this kind of more zoom in detail, like movie making, or you prefer theater, or you just I love like both. them different. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like them differently. Yeah, with theater, I like there's one shot, one opportunity. You have this one moment. <laughs> Sorry, I love Eminem. <laughs> just came out of nowhere. To me, that is the most exhilarating thing in the world. Wow. Um, being on stage is my favorite thing, probably. And when the lights hit you and you can't see anyone or anything except the people with you on stage and you're in your bubble, that's amazing. Theater, it's like your body is your art. You are the art, you know? That's a nice way to look at it. I haven't thought of it. It's true. With the movie, it's more like the end product is what you convey, but with the performance, it's you at this moment. It's more like an experience for you rather than giving an experience to someone else. I mean, also, but... Yeah, it's an exchange. Yeah. That's what I yeah. love about theater. Do you like theater? I like theater. I, I don't do it, but... Would you like to? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I would like it, but I'm... Yeah, but I'm not a good actor. How do you know that? Um, huh, how do I know that? I think I try to act in my bathroom and it's not really good. I think it's also, like, really hard to do. And if you don't have any kind of training, it's not like I could invent it. Jennifer Lawrence didn't have any training. Jennifer Lawrence is... Uh, who's that again? Katniss Everdeen. I am. Is <laughs> she a good actress? I don't think so. Okay. Like, it makes me very angry. That's where everyone gets angry at me. (laughs) Or I'm like, excuse me, you have a dialect coach and you still can't master a Russian accent? Who do you think you are? I love when you're so hard. (laughs) (laughs) There's this really, really funny video where someone asks Sir Ian McKellen, explain acting to me. And he's just like, okay, acting is when you pretend to be someone else. (laughs) And I've never heard anything more accurate in my life. I think it's different for everyone as well. There are lots of method actors. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I'm not able to say when someone is acting good. Like, I just know when I really enjoyed the movie. And I'm like, probably there were good actors if I enjoyed it so much. But I wouldn't be able to say, oh, no, this is good. This is bad. I think that an acting job was good when throughout the movie you didn't think about them acting. Okay, may I take you up on that? Because sometimes you're just like, wow, this is so good acting. So you do think about it during the movie and it's still good. But then it's really just groundbreaking good. Like when you think the person is that character. When I watched Call Me By Your Name, which is a really great movie, I think Timothy did a great job as, you know, being that teenager who's discovering himself. I really liked that. But I didn't believe the connection between the two of them. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't feel it. But I just sit on my high horse and I'm like, you suck. You're okay, but you suck. I am really easy to please in terms of movies. I'm not so critical, I think. What was the best movie you've seen in the past year? Uh, it was two nights ago. 
Oh. And I watched A Little Shop of Horrors by Roger Corman, the one from the 60s. And it's amazing. Maybe there was something better this year. I just don't remember. This is the first that comes to mind. It's really great. I recommend it. It was shot in two days. It started the career of Jack Nicholson. Everything's perfect. Everything is groundbreaking. Everything is. They stutter because they had to shot and they couldn't reshoot the scenes. They actually stutter in the scenes. Like they're like, why couldn't they reshoot? Because they had no money. Oh. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they just had to be really fast. So... It feels really, because we talked about it, it never happens. It happens there, but only because they didn't have the means to to redo it. And it just makes it feel so real and so sympathish. 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 And it's really creative and all the characters are lovable and they're all flawed, but nice. Great movie. That's all I have to say. <laughs> just great. It's on movie right now. It's what? It's on movie right now. What's movie? Uh, movie is this platform where you can watch movies. So every day you have a new movie and it disappears at the end of the month. So it's nice because it's not like you're overwhelmed by a choice of movies and you don't know what to to watch. Because I'm overwhelmed when I would want to watch a movie, I don't know what to watch. There's so many possibilities. Yeah. So it's nice because it's really restricted. And what kind of genre? Just different every time or? Uh, yeah, it's different every time. So it's a platform for film students. So it's very like outhouse. Do you call it like that? Outhouse movies? Mm-hmm. And also classics. Like yeah. it, it has everything, but mostly like, I don't know. Sometimes it's a bit like, okay, movie, like, come on. I need something easy to watch right now. But it's, it's, it's really nice. And also a lot of obscure unknown movies. And you're like, oh my God, this is so great. Movie. Yeah. Movie, movie. Also see here that you have this, like, is it a city guide? Ah, this uh, Wien. Oh no, it's no. eine Stadt als Filmkulisse. That means like a city as a... Coulisse? Coulisse? I don't know. But it's a book about movies that were shot in Vienna. Film set. Ah, oh, that's true. It's like a set. Yeah. But, mm. Vienna is a film set. You know okay. what we're trying to say. So in this case, I'm looking at the photo and it's Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke in uh, Before Sunrise. Do you like the movie? As a matter of fact, I don't. What? What are you saying? First of all, I do not like Ethan Hawke. What? I just, I just don't like. It's like um, Robin Williams, great person. I just don't like him. And it's the same with him. Like you have certain type of acting that I don't like. No, they look like a bit of a prototype: dark hair, blue eyes, American. Maybe I haven't thought of it. They have like a bit of the nerdy vibe. Ethan Hawke, I think he tries very hard. Yeah, he does try very hard. Yeah. So already like okay. So of course then there's the French actress speaking with a French accent, which is just like a mirror to my face when she talks. And so it makes me extremely uncomfortable, but it's just it's just me. And then there is like the romantic flirting dynamic between the two, which is also unbearable for me. Like it's just so cringe. I remember watching the movie and at some point there there's a scene in a disc shop, like a vinyl shop, and they're like in this small booth and they listen to music together. And like, you think they're going to kiss. I think they don't. And I remember watching the movie and I had to pose, go get a glass of water and then come back because it was so, so much flirting tension. I couldn't watch it anymore. Oh my God. Ugh, what the fuck? Did you want them to kiss or something? Or was no, what was bothering you? I just what, wanted what? them to stop flirting in this. This is for them. Like flirting is for you and that person you're flirting with. I don't want to be involved because it's so like, oh. I don't want to be a witness to that. Like it's intimate. I don't want to. Oh. You're turning so red. No, am I? Yeah. I really, oh my God. I mean, I saw it a long time ago. I think it's just something related to how you position yourself to like intimacy and flirting. And if you're not comfortable with that yourself, I guess in movies, like. Did you watch the other two? No, couldn't. 
<laughs> in my opinion, your perspective changes every time you watch them. The first time around, you're like, oh my God, this is so romantic. Vienna, what a gorgeous sunny. Um, even though geographically it made no sense because they kept going from place to place. Yes. And then I was just like, no, this is wrong. This is wrong, you guys. And then the second one plays in Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like nine years later. So that's really cool. I can't tell you what happens during the first because then I spoil and then so I can't even explain what happens during the second or the third. Anyway, the first time I watched the third movie, I was just like, yes, this is life. This is this is how life just goes. No, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. It's just very specific to relationships. You're able to see them actually age, you know. For real, yeah. Yeah. But then you watch it again and you're like. If you're in a different mood, for example, or in a different mindset, you're like, what the fuck is this movie? That's what I really love about it. You can watch them over and over again and sometimes hate the first, love the second, love the third, and then hate the first, uh, like love the first, hate the second. Like mm -hmm. it constantly changes. I think I should give it a shot again. Give it a try, but not because of me, because then I feel pressure. No, no, I wanted to because uh, I saw it before I went to Vienna. So I want to see how I recognize the place. Yeah, I think now you have a completely different approach, maybe. I find that super interesting that you feel that way about like being a spectator to their meeting and to like them flirting and stuff and that it makes you mm -hmm. uncomfortable. I think it's um, because when I watch a movie, I really relate to whatever's happening. Like if it's horror, I'm terrified. <laughs> if if it's suspense, even though I know what's going to happen, I, I feel like I'm really sensitive to those. Even the shittiest movie, if they want to elicit like emotions in, in me, I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> so I think when you're flirting with someone, you do feel awkward. And they're both so awkward. That was just me. Like I was feeling all the awkwardness that they feel. I had it. And maybe it just, I have to distance myself from characters. Yeah, but it's also really cool that you immerse, like that you, yeah, immerse yourself in those characters so much. This happened to me when I watched... Uh... Requiem for a Dream. I did not like it. Yeah, I get that. You too? Yeah, I didn't like it. I should not say that on record now because probably my perception of it was wrong because everyone I tell that tells me that I'm wrong. But I thought it was like not a nice subtext about drugs. I thought it was so over the top and like drugs are evil and I was so annoyed. But apparently everyone says, no, it's super nuanced and it's so subtle. So I should watch it again. But There's nothing subtle about When this I was movie. 15, I was like, you're so extra. Like, come on. Like, yeah, so you agree with me? I agree 100%. Can you tell me your opinion? So I think what I found very difficult is just what you're saying is that Darren Aronofsky is known for going to the extreme with his films. Like the same with Black Swan, you mm -hmm. know, like the ballerina who fucking, yeah, if I say it, I spoil the end. But like, yeah, but everyone knows the story of uh, the, the Black Swan. What I don't like about Requiem for a Dream It's shown in such a crude and violent way and everything is so dark and mm -hmm. then the music with it and then like it's just too much. Mm -hmm. It is it really is just yeah. too much. And it and took it, me so out of it. I was so out of it. I cried for three hours afterwards. <laughs> okay. Especially towards the end where it just gets oh. I, I can't even, but you know, people call it a classic and I'm just like, it is not a classic when it makes you want to die. This is interesting as well, like how you rate a movie, for example, like do you rate your experience because you can have a terrible experience, but it's still a great movie. It's like great in being able to elicit those emotions in you. Or if you don't like the experience, then you automatically don't like the movie. Like it succeeded in making you feel terrible. Would you still think it's a good movie in that sense? That no. It, no, okay. In my opinion, it's just gained a lot in in like hipster pop culture. There's this one very um, 
I would say melancholy scene, actually. Maybe you remember where he sees Mary and she's so far away and she's just standing there and he keeps yelling, Mary! And so many people would post that on their Facebook as like their profile photo or their cover photo. And then if you dared asking where that is from, they're like, I'm sorry, do you not understand art? What is wrong with you? Can we talk about how, how did you call the hipster crowd? Like ruining so many good movies just mm -hmm. because they make the movie so annoying. You watch the movie and you enjoy it and then you hate it because the people are so annoying about it. And then you love it because you can, I don't know, like there's this other layer of like, for example, Pulp Fiction. I don't know. I find it so funny. It's such an incel movie as well. An incel movie? How yeah, so? Because they love this movie. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, can I tell you, I never watched Pulp Fiction fully or halfly or oh, really? quarterly. I watched like parts and fell asleep in between all the fucking time. This is what I'm talking about because now you can have Pulp Fiction, which is renowned as like a cult classic and you can trash it so much, not because it's bad, but just because it was put on such a high pedestal. You just really want to destroy it just to break yeah. this pedestal. It's not about the movie in itself. It's really about the pedestal it's put on. But we also have to talk about the fact that Tarantino is just like, Thank you. Like the face you're making right now is perfection. I like Tarantino's movies, but they're so, they're always the same. I recently, I, whoopee, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and mm -hmm. I liked it. Mm -hmm. It's a take on people in the times of Charles Manson. Charles Manson is, uh, was a cult leader and, uh, it's very interesting. His story, uh, he never killed per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But he made other people kill, and that's why he's in prison for as long as they are. I think he's dead now. I don't know. I don't care, to be honest. Yeah, he but um, he died. Because people were putting pictures of Marilyn Manson and saying, rest in peace. <laughs> so I know that he died. So I remember the pictures on the internet. Um, if you know, Sharon Tate was killed, and she was Roman Polanski's partner, who wasn't there during that night. It plays in that time, it plays in that space. And uh, when it really got interesting was towards the end, when Manson's cult friends came to murder Sharon. Honestly, that was the most interesting part of the movie, because... That's what Tarantino does, splatter, you know, violence and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Lots of blood. Yeah, and I mean, you know that he's really into feet. I don't know. It's just so entitled. But why is it entitled? Because he puts it in the movie? Yeah, because he's like, oh, y'all know I'm into feet. Deal with it. Is that wrong of me? No, I don't think so. I'm trying to understand your perspective. I'm thinking too. I just find it a bit gross. Maybe because I'm not into feet. Like, he loves dirty feet, especially. I know. I mean, no king shaming, although I do think that kink shaming should happen sometimes but uh yeah feet i mean okay it's hard for me but you do you tarantino is just i don't know i also feel like there's such a strong obsession in male gaze with feet and legs in cinema but yeah. since forever and i do agree that it's like okay you have a foot fetish like many directors before you it's not that special i haven't watched the last one because i thought ah i'm not gonna be happy i'm gonna be angry I wonder if I make a movie, like, would I also just shove my kink into people's faces because it's my movie and I do whatever? What is your kink? Um, not feet. Okay. I don't have one. Oh, that's so boring. I want to have a film kink. Me too. I was thinking just making a movie where you zoom into ears, just earlobes of oh, people. Oh, nice. You could make it really sexual, I'm sure. Or like you nostrils. Take a, a close-up and then you go like this with a finger and it just tried to find its way. Oh my god, no. I was thinking more like someone like, I don't know, like nibbling on the earlobe a little bit and then like accidentally eating it or something. <laughs> Oops. Just like getting fork and knife and just <laughs> cannibalism. Hot. 
Do you know this story about this German cannibal? No, tell me. I love this story. It may be like trigger warning. Cannibalism, death. Yeah. Murder. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's this uh, German guy. So there is like this forum. It was in the early 2000. The Cannibal Cafe Corner. Like it's the name oh of my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. This. <gasps> oh no. Hold yourself to your chair because this is. And so he posted a little ad saying, I'm looking for someone willing to, um, well, have sex with me. We have sex. I kill you and I eat your flesh. And there are actually three people who showed up that were interested in um dying which is already like what like that's like human psyche wow that's crazy so the first one came and he had such horrible fantasies that even like the cannibal like the, the murderer was like okay that's too much for me we cannot do that so he went home then there's a second person who came and they started like like the guy was starting to be tied down and like just starting having sex and then he said ah no sorry i don't want to die anymore can we stop that and then the cannibal was like yeah sure and they watch tv drink beer and eat pizza <laughs> and then the Third one, uh, well, they actually did it. So it was all recorded on video. Oh, my God. But can, can I just go back to, like, mm -hmm. the first one, what kind of fantasies did he have? What do you mean? Oh, like, just some it weird was too sexual. violent. Like, it was oh, too okay. too crazy. So, like, even the cannibal couldn't Yeah, he it. was like, no, okay, sorry. Like, <laughs> this won't work. And so, like, like all I want to do is, is fuck you and then, like, eat you. Like, yeah. why are you so crazy right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, because, like, I mean, it's really hardcore, this story. Like, and... All the juries, they had to watch the full footage oh, and God. they all went in a mental breakdown in therapy and it was okay. really horrible. But it's also not so violent in a way. So I don't remember all the details. So he was tied up. And then uh, at some point he asked the cannibal, like, can you like cut my dick? And we cook it and we eat it and it worked. And then he cooked it in a pan, but then it burned down. And so they tried to eat it, but it was like too hard and chewy, so they couldn't eat it. So they gave it to the dog. Oh, God. Okay. Tell me if it's too much like... It's not too much for me. I love gore, but... I just want to say I had to write a paper on masochism in my studies. And um, I discovered this story. And then for three days, I was in my room reading everything on the internet about this story. And I was like just going out of my room in the kitchen, talking to my roommate like... Do you want to know something crazy? And I was like such spiraling down. It was really intense three days because it's an intense story. Like I joke about it, but like it's really crazy. And so then he was bleeding and um, they were like, okay, you can bleed to death. But it was taking a lot of time. So he gave him a lot of paracetamol. Oh God. So he doesn't have so much pain. And then he went to take a bath for three hours. So and this guy was just bleeding out. Yes. <gasps> Oh, no. Um, yes. So all on camera, I think it's six hours of footage. So he was just like, okay, take some Dolipran. And then he cut him into pieces and put him in his freezer under the frozen pizza and ice cream. And um, and then he got arrested. And now he's in prison, uh, I think for life. And he's a vegetarian. And he's writing, <laughs> he's writing self-help books, <laughs> telling cannibals <laughs> that he understands, but you shouldn't eat people. <gasps> and you shouldn't eat meat either. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, why do you even want to invent stories when you have reality? <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever heard. I know. But I'm so sorry for the guy who was bleeding out. I know, but like, that's what, that's also what was crazy with the trial. So I don't remember everything, but he was first convicted for murder, but not very long. And people went crazy and then he was retrialed and then life in, in jail. But also that's the thing, like, there's proof on footage that he asked to be killed. I mean, of course, you still shouldn't kill someone, but like, it's a very special case. And you know also that, that it is true because he met two people before and then the other guy like withdrew consent and then he accepted and they watched TV. So you know that he was 
really clear on consent. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, can you give consent to to being killed? Like, I don't know. I'm, in a way, he is like entitled to decide when to die. Like, it's. I read a lot of description and trial like uh, script, mm-hmm. and it felt really like they had a conversation. What should we do now? And uh, how should we cook the penis? And how uh, give me paracetamol? Like, I'm in pain. Uh, how long would that last? So it felt really like um. Yeah, like it feels weird to say that, but really, like the masochist had a word. This story really fried my brain. Really, like the penis. Everything in this story is crazy. Like the dog eating everything is. It's it's insane. It's absolute insanity. Have you seen the poster in my room? No. In front of my bed, there is like, um, the Night of the Living Dead uh, poster uh-huh. with like faces screaming and people biting into flesh that must give you terrible like feng shui yeah really good vibes no maybe you should put it somewhere else so when you wake up it's not the first thing you look at no i like it you like it yeah okay maybe it's kind of the masochist in you get the frying pan Mm -hmm. no no (laughs) well mayet this was really fun i can't believe we're ending on that note but we are But are you okay? Yeah, yeah, no, really good. Okay, great. So thank you so much for being my guest today, even though I'm the guest in your home. Yeah, thank you for having me and for being my guest today. Guys, we'll smell each other soon. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good night.